All right, thank you for having me. Thank you for your, your welcome as well, Dave. It's really good to come here and just to, to teach and share God's word with you this morning. Um, my uh, youngest son, Nathaniel, has uh, a problem with, with listening. Uh, don't worry, it's not a physical problem. He can, can hear well and good. Uh, but just lately, Stacy's been sharing with me uh, what's been going on. Um, you ask him to do something and it's like he's listening, but not really listening. So here's a couple of examples. Um, with my wife being pregnant at the minute, she's taking the opportunity to ask for my kids to do all sorts of things for her, you know, go and do this and go and do that. Uh, the other day, um, Stacy asked Nathaniel, will you go and get me a glass of water? Um, after about the third time, eventually he went to get a glass of water, only to return with a glass. It's like he's listening, but not really listening. He uh, was told the other day as well to go upstairs and to change his t-shirt because it was dirty and he went upstairs and came down with his trousers changed. Um, before, but you know, so he, things are going in, but they're not really going in. Um, but before we're too hard on him, we're kind of the same, aren't we? You know, um, Stacy sends me uh, the Tesco's, you know, with only four things, like only four things I need to listen to and remember, you know. And uh, I walk through the doors of uh, Tesco's and thank goodness for mobile phones. They save our lives, don't they, man? You know, we're able to phone back and go, so what, what, what was it you said? What was it that you needed me uh, to get? And um, we've listened, but haven't really listened. It's went through one ear and out the other. Or does this ever happen to you know, when you meet somebody for the first time and you're in the course of a conversation and they say, hi, I'm Frank, and you say, hi, I'm Chris, and then about 30 seconds after, you've forgotten their name? You're saying the conversation goes on and you're trying to remember their name. Um, we listen, but we can have a problem with listening. Listening is really important. We're going to learn from our text today. Actually, Jesus at the end of his text talks of how listening is so important to actually lead a fruitful, flourishing life. Good listening leads to fruitful living. And we're going to look at this text today and just uh, ask four questions of it and hopefully get uh, help from it. So firstly, um, who do we really need to listen to? Who do we really need to listen to? Now, don't worry, guys. This is, this is the Sunday school question, okay? You know, Jesus, okay? That's the answer. You see what he says in verse 3? He's got this huge crowd gathered around him. And uh, what does he say in verse 3 before he starts this story with a farmer going out to sow seed? He says, listen, listen, listen up, listen up. He wants the crowd to listen to him. Now, how come? You know, as we read the rest of Mark's gospel, I think we find a, a couple of reasons for that. Imagine this scenario. You've been sick for weeks and you decide eventually to go and speak to somebody. Who are you going to go and speak to? You're going to go speak to um, a hairdresser? You're going to go speak to a butcher? Are you going to go speak to a doctor? Who are you going to go speak to? Well, you're going to go and speak and listen to the doctor, aren't you? That person has far more authority to speak on how you feel than anybody else. 
Or imagine your car's broken down. Are you going to go to a coffee shop owner? Are you going to go to a bank manager? Or are you going to go to the mechanic? I'm going to go to the mechanic. The mechanic has far greater authority to speak about what's wrong with your car than anybody else. Is it not true because they've got greater authority, they deserve to be listened to above all other people? Yeah. When it comes to the big questions of life, is God really there? And if he is, how do I get to know him? Why am I here? When I look out at this world and it's, it's both beautiful and broken at the same time, and I want to know why that is, who do I listen to to get an answer to that question? Why are people capable of such good and such evil at the same time? Why is that? Who do I listen to to get the answers to those questions? Who's got the most authority? Now, many people would say in our culture today, well, it's yourself, really. You just listen to yourself. It's one idea, isn't it? You can be your own greatest authority in your life. You come up with your own ideas on that. Another idea might be, well, look, all religions, all spiritualities, all self-help gurus, they all are equally valid, have equal authority. So it doesn't really matter who you listen to. So go to the supermarket of ancient religions and modern spiritualities and go down the aisle and just pick off the shelf whatever one you want and just listen to it. As long as you're listening to something to get those answers or questions answered, that's okay. But you see, Christianity and Mark's gospel here cuts right against that idea that we can just go and listen to anybody and attribute equal authority to everybody because it's clearly shown us as you read the whole of Mark's gospel that Jesus is the one with greatest authority. No one has greater authority. So how does Mark's gospel begin? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Why was that so controversial in the time? They called Caesar who was the one in the Roman Empire who had the greatest authority, the one with the greatest authority in the world at the time. He was called the Son of God. And what does Mark come along and say? Actually, Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one with greatest authority. He's the one we really need to listen to. There's no one with greater authority. I love the story in Mark's Gospel. He shares of Jesus being out on the lake with his disciples and he's asleep and the storm comes up and it's a furious storm and even though these disciples are experienced fishermen they're quaking in their boots and they go and ask Jesus at the end of Mark 4 you can read it later on they go and say Jesus don't you care we're about to die here you're not going to do something and Jesus gets up and Mark says he speaks to the storm peace be still and the storm listens and does what Jesus says. His disciples turn and say to him, look, even the wind and the waves obey him. Mark's point is clear. Who has greater authority here? It's Jesus. Like, when was the last time you heard somebody speaking to creation and it's obeying Genesis? Mark's point's clear. Jesus just isn't some other man come to speak about God. He's God come to speak about God for himself. Nobody's got greater authority, and that's why we need to listen to him. No one's got greater authority, but then also secondly, no one has greater love. If we go on to read in Mark's gospel, we read of this person who's got the greatest authority, 
who can even speak to the storms and they obey him, dies for people who have rejected his authority. And he does it out of love. He does it out of love. Why do we listen to Jesus? Why listen to him? No one has greater authority and no one's greater love, according to Mark's gospel. So that's who we need to listen to. Secondly, here's our second question. Do we really want to listen at all? Do we really want to listen at all? After Jesus tells this story in verse 9, he says this. I love this phrase. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Do we have ears that want to hear? Okay, if you're not um, bored already by this talk, you're going to be bored now as I start to share this uh, illustration. Whenever I was at university studying structural engineering, I actually got to study about soil. So that probably makes me the most experienced person to speak on this parable saying I've studied about soil. And one of the things we had to do when we were studying soil mechanics was this very exciting experiment where we went down into the lab and there was this sort of huge, big cylindrical machine that had layers of different sort of sieves on it, all stacked up together. And one of the ways of classifying a gravel sand, you put the gravel in the top of the uh, machine, okay, and then, oh, this is exciting, but guys, the machine would then start to, to kind of vibrate, you know, a little, and the, obviously then the gravel and the sand would start to sieve through and be separated out according to the different sizes of the particles that were in that sample. You got it? You got the picture? Very exciting. I know, I know. But the idea is that some were stopped at the very top, some of the particles got through the very bottom. And I want us to say that Jesus' par parables, these stories, kind of act in the same way like that sieve. Those who don't have ears to hear, who never really wanted to listen to Jesus in the first place, are like those larger particles of soil, where the people who have ears to hear and really want to hear are like the smaller particles of soil. And we see these two groups in verses 10 to 12. So these smaller particles, these people who really want to hear, well, they've really listened and they've actually in a little small group gathered around Jesus in verse 10, asking Jesus questions. They don't understand everything, but they really want to listen to Jesus. They really want to get his word and they're asking questions about it. They're the group that really want to listen. And then in verses 11 to 12, Jesus addresses this group that don't want to listen. He says here, there's people on the outside. I speak to them in parables. They're ever seeing, but never perce perceiving. They're ever hearing, but never understanding. So that's the group that don't want to hear. They've never wanted to hear. They're like the people in Isaiah's day where this prophecy, where this, these lines come from. The people in those days, although they heard the words of Isaiah, they didn't really want to hear at all. You see, there's these groups around Jesus at the moment. You've got these group of disciples who want to listen and this group of people who don't want to listen. This group of people who are called the crowd in Mark's gospel. The crowd who are just there to really use Jesus. Who see Jesus as sort of like a service to be consumed. You know, like in the way we go to McDonald's 
you know. We're not there to really listen to what the person's saying behind the counter to us, you know. We're there, bang, in through the drive-through, get what we want, out we go. And there's a group of people, a large group around of people around Jesus at this time who are treating him like a drive-through McDonald's. We're here, Jesus. My friend's sick, Jesus. We only want you to heal, Jesus. That's what we want. Service to be consumed. Not a master to be followed. And so the parables, in a sense, sort out that, those groups. They sieve, they sieve out those people. And the people who see Jesus as a master to be followed have listened to the parable, have been sieved out, and are there in this small group going, tell us what that really means. The presence of these two groups challenges us to go, where are we at? Where are we at? Do we really want to listen to Jesus? Is he our master that we want to follow? Our teacher that we really want to learn from? Are we in this other group who are just going, well, I'm just here and Jesus is a service to be consumed. Jesus, do this for me, do that for me, do X and Y for me, and I'll, I'll, keep, I'll think about keeping him with you. So that's what the parables do. They sieve out those two groups. Do we really want to listen? Okay, question three. What stops us from listening? If listening is so important, listening to Jesus is so important to lead a flourishing, fruitful life, the type of life that God intended you and I to live, it'd be good to know some of the things that hinder us from listening. That's what this text is all about. And verses 14 to 20, we get this inside track of what this story that Dave read out to us meant from verses 4 to 8. And we know that as Jesus explains himself in verses 14 to 20, that the sower in the immediate context is Jesus. He's going around with the seed spreading it, his message, his gospel of the kingdom. And the differing soil conditions represent the different conditions of people's hearts and their response to Jesus' words. The soils represent people's hearts. It's very important that before we look at these things that stop us from listening, that it's not the condition of our ears that stop us listening from to Jesus, but the condition of our heart. And so there's three types of heart here that's mentioned that actually hinder listening to Jesus, represented by three different types of soil. So what's going to stop us listening? Firstly, a hard heart will stop us listening to Jesus. Hardness. So do you see that first um, soil that, Jesus, uh, that is mentioned there in verses uh, 14 and 15? In the story, some of the seeds fall on a path. And you ever sort of go along a path that's sort of a well-walked-on path through a field and the soil gets so pressed down because um, people walking on it, it can become as hard as concrete, as hard as a pavement. And this seed falls on that really hard, pressed-down soil and it's so compact that the seed doesn't even get a chance to get into the soil and a bird swoops down and takes the seed away. And Jesus says, this is like people who hear his word, but their heart is hard, and the word of God just bounces off them. 
And Satan, the enemy of God, doesn't expand on it any more than that. Satan, the enemy of God, comes down, swoops down, and takes the word away. I wonder, is that you today? I wonder, is a hard heart stopping you from listening to Jesus? Maybe you once listened to Jesus, but now your heart is as hard as anything. Maybe you've been hurt in church life. And as a result of that, which I'm so sorry of, I hear story again and again of people who are hurt in church life. And because of that, you know, their heart becomes hard and they don't want to listen to Jesus anymore. You know, and if that's happened to you, I'm so sorry, but don't, don't rob yourself of the flourishing life Jesus wants to give you by your being wrongly treated by other Christians and then you hardening up because of that. It can happen. It can happen. Or maybe it's your circumstances that have hardened you to listening to Jesus. So you've got sick or you've lost a job or a relationship's fallen through and you're, you're kind of going, um, God, if you really loved me, then you wouldn't have allowed that to happen to me. And, and you become hard. You doubt the love of God and you start going, well, I'm not going to listen to you anymore, Jesus, because of that. Can you see how a hard heart just stops you listening to Jesus? Hardness. The second thing that stops us here from the text we learn that stops us from listening to Jesus is a shallow heart. Shallowness. In the story, some seed falls on rocky ground. Uh, by this it means sort of... Um, ground it has a thin veneer of soil maybe two or three inches hard rock on the, underneath get what happens there's a little depth the seed goes down sprouts up quickly but doesn't penetrate deep enough to be able to draw on and get water in so although it's grown although it's kind of flourished the moment the sun comes out scorches the, the little sort of seedling that's growing it flakes and dies because it hasn't had any root into the soil. And Jesus says, this is like people who initially receive his words with joy. They look as if they've made a response, but they haven't sunk their roots down deeply enough into the word or into Jesus and his gospel. And when any idea of difficulty or persecution or flack comes from being a follower of Jesus, they say, hey, I didn't sign up for this here. I only want good things out of this. For Jesus is very real. Whenever he's calling people to be disciples, he's calling people to delight, yes, but also difficulty at the same time. It's not going to be easy to be a disciple of Jesus in this world. But there's some people who start thinking, hey, it's all delight, it's all delight, it's all delight. And then difficulty comes and falls away. Shallowness of heart Hardness of heart can stop us being good listeners to Jesus. Thirdly, a distracted heart can stop us from being a good listener. Distractedness. You know, sometimes when I come in the room at night, come home at night, maybe it's the same in your house. Um, kids in the living room all on uh, devices. And you come in and uh, you say, hello. 
and they're just distracted by the latest YouTube clip or the latest game they're playing. And at that stage, I'm often tempted to maybe use the words of Jesus and go, you know, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, you know, that would be an appropriate time to use that one. I don't, maybe I should. You see, they just don't hear. They're distracted. They're, my words are choked out by some greater thing. Something else has grabbed their attention more than good old dad coming in to say, hello, good evening. And that's just like the next soil that Jesus speaks about. Some seed, some seed falls among uh, soil that has weeds in it. The seeds start to grow, but then the thorns choke the seed and prevent it from becoming fruitful. And this is like the person who listens to Jesus, but then the word is choked because they're so consumed and distracted by other things. Sometimes that's riches, Jesus says. Nothing wrong with riches, nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with making a lot of it. But Jesus says sometimes people get distracted by that get consumed by it, it gets a hold on them. Money has a hold on them instead of them having a hold on their money. And they want more and more and more and they get distracted from actually listening to Jesus. Another thing is just the desires for other things. Other things, it's not mentioning bad things. It's not saying specifically the desire for bad things can stop you from actually listening to Jesus. Yeah, it can. But just the desire for other things, even good things. I start to think that um, growing a structural engineering business is greater than knowing Jesus. I start to think that. And I start to get distracted by that. And then sort of in a moment that I have, a spur moment, don't happen too much, you know, where does my thoughts drift to? How do I do that? How do I, what's the next move? Or what's going to be next? Distracted by other things, even good things. Are the worries of this life creeping? And take over. And it just paralyzes you. And so I share an example. Just I have a bit too much on my plate before Christmas time, build an extension on, on my house. And um, even though I'm in the industry and, and, and think I have lots of experience and know how to handle these things, there was just lots going on in work. And at the same time, I had an extension being built on the side of my house for my mother-in-law and father-in-law who are going to come and live beside us. And my wife has a disabled brother and we're going to help with their care and everything. So we've got this extension going up out the side of the house and building in the middle of Christmas. And um, of course, things just start to go wrong at the start of the project. Oh, things always go wrong in building projects. Just watch those shows like Grand Designs and you get an idea that you think they'd have it cracked by now, but no things just always go wrong. And things are going wrong in, uh, at the site at the home and there's huge things, there's things happening on sites and just pressure to get work out before Christmas. And I must admit, it was just like this worry came in like like a like a like an avalanche like like a flood. I, I started like I started to get anxious about 
Like I just sort of felt generally over anxious about everything, you know. You know, there was like a, like, like a bang, you know, and I'd be like, what was that there? And it was just the symptoms of anxiety and being too much in my plate and pushing myself too far, all crowding in at the same time and just consumed by the worries of this life, you know. And that's actually the word that really helped me get through that time, just to step back and go, you know, God, I really need to practice my belief in the sovereignty of God here. I really need to practice just resting here. I need to practice just having a right few and things here. But you can see can't you, how easily life crowds in, worries crowds in, and you just get distracted from listening. So those are three things that can stop us hardness, shallowness, and distractedness. And so how on earth do we become good listeners, if that's our final question? How do we become good listeners? You see, as I read this parable, I, I want you to be encouraged, maybe you are as well. Do you not get to the end of it and read verse 20 about uh, like, like seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what is sown. Do you not want to be like that this morning? I know I kind of do. I know that there's times of battled hardness, there's times of being shallow, there's times of being distracted, but I'm thankful to God that at least I have this desire to want to be a good listener. How does that happen? How do I change from being the hard path, the rocky ground, the shallow soil? Now, one answer I could give you, uh, it might sound a bit like a disappointing report card, you know. Uh, sometimes a lot of sermons get to this point and they then sort of say, try harder. Do you ever get, <laughs> do you ever get report cards like that there? You know, must try harder. And um, we can kind of think that's, that's what we need to do here, isn't it? Um, must try harder at being a good listener. Uh, must try to harder at making myself into a good listener. But can I just share this with you? You know, if you think of a soil that's as hard as a pavement, does it have any power to really change itself? Does the soil that's shallow and full of rocks, does that have the power to change itself? Does the soil that's full of thorns, does it have any power to change itself? No. Of course not. The soil in that condition is ultimately powerless to bring about any change. But is there anybody, and I hope I'm not pushing the parable too far here, is there anybody in the story who would have had the power to change the soil? Yeah, the sower. Could have dug up the hard ground and turned over the soil or pulled out the thorns. And so I ask myself the same question as I battle with hardness and shallowness and distractedness. Is it just by trying harder will I change? And the answer is no. As much as a soil can't change its own condition, I can't change the own condition of my heart either. But is there anybody in the story of my life who can change my heart? Yes. The sower, Jesus. And folks, it's as, I real, it's as we start to really encounter Jesus and walk with Jesus day in and day out, 
we'll find that he starts to change our hearts and change them over and over and over again. You know, as we walk with him every day, and that's what he wants us to do, just as he invited those first disciples in Mark 1, follow me, he says to you and I, follow me as well. That same Jesus, that same sore, who said to the um, paralytic in chapter 2, Son, your sins are forgiven. He says that to you today. I love that. Son, your sins are forgiven. Do you know, you don't have to be a good listener to get your sins forgiven. <laughs> you know, your sins are forgiven and then you get to grow to become a good listener. You've got to get that order right. You've got to meet the sore who says to you, Son, your sins are forgiven. You got to meet the sower who, even though your heart might be hard to him, his heart's never grown hard to you. He is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You know, you got to meet the sower who, even though you're shallow at times, and even though you're unwilling at times to suffer for him, he is the sower who went to the cross for you. You know, he's the sower who, even though you might be consumed by other things, even good things in his creation, he is the sower who stooped down into his creation in order for you to know him. He's the sower who comes to you in your anxiety, not to crush you, but to help you. He says, are two sparrows not sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's car. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. He draws alongside and he whispers to you in your anxiety today. Nothing is outside of God's control and you're not outside of God's car. It's as you meet this sower. I find that that has the power, that encounter has the power to change you from being hard, being shallow, and being distracted. And so, can I encourage you, you know, even as Dave's been saying, we get to do that as we come together to meet the sore, but, you know, that's not limited to something as a Sunday activity when you're with other people. You can do that during the week. We have the privilege, unlike these first century Christians, which I, I find absolutely amazing to have this privilege, we have the word of God. We have the seed written down. Those first century Christians didn't. Um, you know, we have the opportunity to read. We're educated. We can read it ourselves. We can listen that way. And so can I just share with you as we close one pattern that might be helpful as you maybe try to, um, to, to read and listen to the Word every day. And here it is. This, this, this might help. You know, as you sit down with the Word, why don't you do this? Firstly, request. You know, ask as you read the Bible that you would not just learn information about Jesus, but that you would really meet Jesus the sower. Request. 
Read. Read about Jesus. Read the Old Testament and discover how Jesus is concealed in the stories and the pictures of kings and priests and prophets and temples and tabernacles. Read about Jesus in the Old Testament concealed. Read about Jesus in the New Testament as he's revealed. Read about Jesus and his words to the church in the epistles. Read about Jesus and his coming again in Revelation. Read about the sower and meet him. Reflect. Just don't read about Jesus, uh, but reflect on what it's saying about Jesus. Just don't read and let it flow through your mind like water through a pipe. Reflect on it. Think about it. Ponder it. My, 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 my daily illustration for trying to get me to do this is, is making a cup of tea. Uh, my my mum, when she has a cup of tea, like the tea bag's hardly in the cup about 0.5 seconds. Like, you know, it's like, it's like dishwater. That's what I call my mum's tea. Um, when I make a cup of tea, you got to put the tea bag in. You let it stew. Sometimes I'll with a spoon or I think maybe more effective with a fork, is to then push the tea bag against the side of the cup to make sure that all the flavour squeezed out into the water. And I like to think upon these as two different approaches to reading the Bible. You can have my mum's approach, which is just to read it. And if you just read it, it's like dipping the tea bag in and like something might go in, but you know, not, not a lot of the flavour of the word would get into you. But it's whenever you sort of reflect on it or the Bible word is meditate, when you think about it, you know, ponder it, churn it over in your mind, that's the Chris approach to making tea. Okay, that's the pushing the, the tea bag against the side of the cup, letting the flavour into the water, letting the flavour of the word into your life. That comes with reflection. To request, read, reflect, record. This is an essential. Some of us are wired different. Some of us maybe who are men have, don't like picking up pens and we haven't wrote since we were 16 at school and that's okay. We're all wired differently uh, that way. But for me, um, uh, recording some of the things that, that we, we read, I find really helpful. I think that's what the CBR is trying to encourage us to do. We take what we've learned from the Word and we record it. And even the process of that, what I find is that, and maybe you guys will be the same as you record what you learn. It's like, it's like digging for treasure. As I start to write it down, it's like, it's like I start to find more stuff. More stuff comes to me through the process of writing. Okay. So record what you're learning and then respond. Turn what you're learning back into prayers to God and also respond with belief, respond with your behavior. What if I to believe in light of this? Okay, I'm reading here about Jesus telling me that God has the very hairs on my head numbered, you know, not, not to be anxious, okay? If I, okay, in the midst of this anxiety at the minute, things are going wrong, blah, here, bang, bang, okay. Okay, if God, God knows, God knows that level of detail in my life, about the hairs of the number in my head. He surely knows what's going on on the site at 34, whatever road, and blah, blah, blah. He knows the details. 
And so if I'm going to respond to this word today, God, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to, I'm going to live in the light of that word today. I'm going to respond. So request, read, reflect, record, and respond might help you think that might be a helpful thing for daily trying to get into a place where you develop this routine of of not just being someone who sees Jesus as a service to be consumed but really a master and a teacher to be listened to and as you listen and really listen Jesus says good listening leads to fruitful flourishing living in God's kingdom amen let's pray Father God, thank you so much that uh, we live in an age where we have your word, uh, we have the Gospels, uh, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and how it all points to the Lord Jesus and his glorious gospel. And I pray that you would help us all to develop into being good listeners. Lord, may we have a daily walk with Jesus where we encounter him, where we stand in awe of his authority and his love and want to be listeners of him, uh, followers. Help us and save us from the times when our hearts are hard, shallow or distracted. May the very uh, encounter with Jesus melt our hardness, give, up, give us depth that's prepared to go through anything for Jesus and convince us again that there's nothing more glorious in all creation than the creator himself. And so God, help us and grow us to be good listeners of the word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>